Hello and welcome, everyone. Yes, it is me, Phil, the uh, the unusual host, the, uh, the step in, the fill in for our illustrious uh, usual host, Liam, who is currently still sat on a tarmac in Heathrow, I imagine, as he recently updated us, waiting to go to on his honeymoon in, in Mauritius. So you've got me and Mick tonight. We've got a friend of ours, Andy, joining us a little bit later on. But um, for now, me and Mick are going to fumble through the... Uh, the literal fumble that was a uh, an Eagles Patriots game. Um, so Mick, how are you doing, man? I mean, we've literally only just saw each other yesterday and spent the weekend together at the wedding. In absolute scorching heat, I'm surprised you you, you didn't melt halfway through. But uh, how are you feeling now after that uh, weekend of booze, cigars, whiskey, and red zone? No, oh, mate, it was it was a fantastic weekend. I, I can't lie. I thought you'd probably be sick of my face by now, right enough, and you didn't want to do the pod this week. Um, having spent too much time with uh, <laughs> in my company, but nah, it was it was a good laugh, wasn't it? And uh, uh, it was a great occasion. Like you said, the weather just was not prepared for the weather. Um, it was just a puddle after it. Like during the ceremony, it was like thirty degree heat, thirty one, thirty two degree heat, just beating down on my face. You know, I'm in I'm in full kilt, um, hundred percent wool, big jacket, the 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 vest, the tie. The works um and i, I definitely I probably shared a couple of pounds just in, in sweat alone, <laughs> in sweat just, alone. Yeah, losing your fluids quite rapidly for the um person expected to be least able to deal with that kind of hit you were certainly wrapped up in several layers of wool like you said i can't i mean you didn't take your jacket off all day um until close to the end and i think um you're making everyone else feel a bit um feeble for being stripping down as quickly as possible. I think Liam was uh, down to the bare minimum even before the, uh, the, the the dinner. So that was a useful sign. I think it's is that like the usual sort of uh, rule at weddings is like, you know, once the, the groom takes his, his tie off, all the men can take the tie off and strip down to one or two buttons or the, someone said the, the mother of the bride takes yes, her out or something like with a hat. Yeah, that's the traditional <laughs> one, but it seems to come down to a, a bit more. It was it was the literal <laughs> sigh of relief um, across absolutely everyone. As soon as Liam took his tie off, we could just hear this massive uh, eternal rustle throughout the crowd as everyone just went, "Oh my god, <laughs> I could take my tie off now." I know I for one was um, I'm not I'm not great in hot weather. I, I do. Um, find my shirts go see-through pretty quickly which was evident by us sitting at the very back and then when we had to turn around to uh welcome katie in down the aisle everyone started giggling behind me and i knew exactly what was going on they could probably see the exact curvature of my shoulder blades as the shirt was no longer protecting me at all um but there's some good moments i mean it didn't stop us from watching the game obviously well in a way we, we watched as, as best as we could on my phone, we sort of as soon as the uh, this main festivities are out of the way, I think we we shuttled away to the seating that was a bit remote in the middle of the darkness near the trees. Had a cigar with um, uh, Katie's uncle Tony, um, who we've had on the pod before, and it was nice to finally meet him in person. Brought out a bag of cigars, 
kept the drinks flowing. We're all huddled around my phone watching the, the game until I ran out of data. I then had to quickly roll back some data. We had to use your phone for a hotspot before eventually retiring to the bar once it got late enough um, to try and catch it on red zone, which was frustrating in itself because obviously you're not just we, we will the tense way of the end of the game as we'll get to in a minute. Um, every time they switched to I don't know the Dolphins Chargers, everyone was screaming at the TV because everyone's an yeah. Eagles fan and everyone's getting upset because they can't see the last. I mean. Yeah, the other, the only other story for was the uh, the whiskey and the and the coke situation, which I know um, stand by uh, Tony B. Block Bloman whiskeys for this story. I think it'll make you shudder as well. Ordered a nice uh, round of twelve year old uh, whiskey, single malt whiskey at the bar. One user the name, um, but it was it was a very nice uh, bottle of whiskey, and uh, the waitress proceeded to pour some coke in it, much to you know bring. She had the glasses behind the bar. And she poured the single malts, and you and I carried on chatting before. She sort of like that's taken a while for her to just put, you know, a cube of ice in a glass. And then she had the gun in her hand, and she brings the glass, these gla three glasses up, now filled with coke. And there's the sheer horror that came over both of our faces as we just looked at each other. And it's that typical British thing where your first thought is, like, "Do we complain?" And I was looking at you, thinking Mick's gonna absolutely tear her face off because I mean, this is whiskey. This is like his national drink. This is, yeah, you, know, you can't put, you can't do, do that. You can't put coke in. I mean, you can put coke with whiskey, but not this this quality level. Um, you looked at me, I looked at, I looked at you, and eventually I just sheepishly sort of said, uh, "Sorry, I asked for singles." Um, and she went, "Oh, okay," and she just made some new ones. But um, the sheer horror is the moment of panic between the two of us. So, of ruining three i mean they were they weren't cheap i think it was like 20 20 quid for three singles eventually with some coke as well but so yeah. she must have um you could see my state of mind at the, at the time phil i just wanted a drink in me so you, you looked at me and i thought you know what i'll drink it i'll drink anything at this point <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm too warm just give me a cold drink even if it's which really on it. but single malt whiskey with coca-cola absolutely Terrible, terrible sack. The way that just, really surprised me because I, I was. Like, I just couldn't. I just didn't have it in me. I didn't have it in me. When yeah, when you said, "Oh, I just drink," I was like, surprisingly, that I was the more um, principled of the two of us when it came to whiskey. I don't have principles. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's enough of that. Liam's off, like I said, up in his um, holly bobs with uh, Katie for their two-week honeymoon. So it's going to be, yeah, congratulations to that, obviously, to the pair of them. Um, and it's going to be you and me for a couple of weeks now, I think. Two or three, maybe even four weeks. I can't even remember which game Liam's back for before he then shoots off again to be in Washington for the, uh, the second Commanders game in late, late, late October. So hopefully I'm not going to do a too bad a job. Mick, you might have to take over next week. But shall we uh, get into the, the Pats game that we can just about remember? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So 25-20. Definitely closer than a lot of the predictions that you, I, and everyone else who took part in our um, score predictions game had. We, I think we were all in the high 30s with not conceding more than 20 points. Um, and it was definitely a struggle of a game, despite, well, after what, 10 minutes of the first quarter, I think it became an incredible struggle. But obviously, we took the, the three point field goal lead before Darius Slay and his uh, pick six takes it in, um, puts up 10-0, and then we get a fumble recovery, which Devontae Smith takes in for a 
catches in the end zone for a touchdown up a pretty good throw. So after going 16 nothing up, um, the Pats then had a couple of good drives, very quick drives, annoyingly smooth drives that sort of brought them back to 14, 16. And then halftime came. And I think that's where it started to get a bit tense because it felt very much from that point, from my perspective, that we were just keeping them at, at arm's length with field goals. And then we shoot ourselves in the foot on a fourth and two, going for it with a hopeless pass play. Because we'll get into that in a minute as well. But that's the general overview of how the game went. But how did you feel about that, Mick? Like, what was your what's your main takeaway from the game before we get into the specifics of the good, the bad, and the damn right sexy? Ooh, which is back. <laughs> it's back, it's back, baby. Uh, I was more, I was so excited actually about doing the, the good, the bad, and the damn right sexy until I realized how much was going to go into the bad column on the very <laughs> first week of, uh, uh, of of the NFL season that we've been so eagerly waiting on uh, all these months in the off season. But you know, I, I've tried to you know just calm calm down, just take a moment, you know, step away from it, being like, look, we got the win. You know, we're one, we're one and over. We're not the Chiefs who, you know, they lost. The Bengals lost. The Bills lost, as we know, now sitting recording on uh, Tuesday night. And we come out, we come out with the dub, and that's really all that matters, as long as we improve and understand what went wrong. And we're going to go through what exactly went wrong in that game because there was a quite, quite a fair bit. But like you said, Phil, it was it was hard to get a, a good feel for the game since we were in the middle of a dark field looking at a 10-inch phone screen um, <laughs> on cigars. But, you know, as, as the game went on, like you said, uh, it looked like we were, you know, we were just rolling in the first quarter, at least. Uh, you know, like you said, Slay had to pick six and we were literally sitting with cigars, you know, uh, cigars and whiskey, just enjoying the moment. Uh, and then before we know it, that that second quarter, the second quarter, I think, is, is where it just all fell down. Watching watching the game back, uh, the offense just couldn't get anything clicking. Um, start off with Jalen Hurts. I didn't think Jalen Hurts had a particular great game. Uh, I mean, it's fair to say he was twenty two of thirty three attempts, one hundred and seventy yards, one touchdown, a passer rating of eighty nine point two. Um, it's a it's a very vanilla stats. It's not they're not terrible, but they're definitely not. No. Yeah, not gonna. I mean, there's no interceptions. Obviously, had the fumble, um, but a QBO a pass rate pass rate of eight nine point two isn't gonna sort of shock people, but it's not gonna excite people either, is it? No, and and it's like you, it's just because of all the hype and build up of the off season. Jalen getting paid, how good he was last season, how good he was in the last game that we watched that he played in February, albeit, um, and. And what we saw in the field didn't really match up to our lofty expectations because we are saying on the last few podcasts we expect the Eagles to go back to the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship game, like at least like the the number one seed uh, or win the division. The winning the division being probably the, the 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 lowest expectation that we have on this team, and to do that we 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 have to collect the wins. Um, and so the expectation is so high. We expect Jalen to to come and ball out, do what he did in the Super Bowl um, against the against the Patriots, but it just didn't turn out that way. And can we put that down to rustiness? Like we we didn't see Jalen at all, or any of the rest of the ones during the preseason. Um, yeah, I was so- I was going I was going to lead you into that. That was going to be my follow up question: was that how how much do you lay at the 
the feat of <clears throat> Siriani and the decision to to not play him. I mean, for for me personally, I don't disagree with the decision. Obviously, this might be the the so what of it to show that Jalen Hurts was rusty, but it's comparisons between this season and last season is that you know we didn't know 100 that Jalen was the guy, so we needed to kind of have a little bit of a test, see what we we're going to do this season. The difference is this season we know exactly who we're getting. We know what we left off at the end of the Super Bowl, one of the best Super Bowl performances ever. And he's not that guy at the moment. So are you putting that down to the fact that uh, he didn't play in any preseason games or are you just saying that he, he, it's the first NFL game, anything could happen and it was still a dub? Yeah, there's so many contributing factors of why this game just went the way it did. One of them that will be preseason rushing is because... Um, I know Jalen made some poor decisions in the RPO game, uh, where where he kept and and he kept the ball and ran where he, he perhaps should have stood stood up in the pocket. Um, they maybe rolled out too quick on a couple of plays. Didn't trust his O line, but I mean the O line weren't doing him any favors that day. Like just moving on to that, the protection was genuinely awful for most of that game. And it, and and again, it's it's another part of the team where you're like, it's the strongest unit, not in just in our team, but it's the strongest unit in the NFL. A, a position group is our offensive line and it's, it's supposed to, the, the trenches are supposed to be um, our trademark at this point. So you don't expect that to be a weak point at, at any given time, even in the first game of the season. And I know we had breakdowns last year against the Lions in week one. But new season, you know, there, there, there's not been much rotation on the offensive line. Cam Jurgens came in and played right guard. I don't think Jurgens had a particularly bad game. I will say that. Uh, I don't think the interior were particularly bad. Most of my questions came from Lane Johnson, which, I mean, just speaking those words just doesn't feel right. Because you know how good Lane Johnson is, and you know he's not let, let up a sack, and God knows how how many pass um, blocking snaps. Um, but he, but according to PFF, he had a, a block rating of fifty six point three and allowed six pressures, including a quarterback hit, and Mailata allowed four. So uh, the bookends did not have a great day against you know. I mean, Judon is a is a good pass rusher. Let's let's not get it. Too twisted that the Patriots do have a very good defense, um, and they and they showed up. And they gave the Eagles problems, so that was another contributing factor for me that that Hurts couldn't trust his own line, and he wasn't afforded the time behind there to to stand up in the pocket and let the the deep routes progress. Yeah, so like I'd agree. I mean, it did feel very much like Hurts was having to scramble a bit too much. Like you said, it it felt. Almost like Jalen of eighteen months ago, when we're sort of he was sort of scrambling. They wanted to create more of a passer at the start of last season, and that's what they eliminated was just the the need. But whether that obviously came directly from the offensive line or or his own rustiness that he was making that decision, that's his safety net, and so he's just clutching on that. And at the end of the day, the, the conditions were also quite poor as well, so it wasn't an easy game to sort of kick off with. Big ceremony around the, the Pats inducting Tom Brady into their own Ring of Honor Hall of Fame, whatever it was, doesn't matter. They lost, um, but it did throw. I mean, we I, there were plenty of people out there, especially on the Pats side, that were saying that this ain't going to be the the walk in the park that you think it's going to be. And I think we were all sat there going, "Nah, you've got nothing. You've got 
Stevenson. But Mac Jones wasn't terrible. Mac Jones was getting the ball out. He was doing what he needed to do, and he had a yeah. couple of nice drives. I think if the roles had been reversed, we would have been kind of going, Hurts had a solid game for like streaming up the, up the park. And I think whether we that was on us or whether they just played better than we expected them to, you just don't know. But um, the other part of the bad, so let's get the bad out of the way, because I think that's what everyone loves, is that when we when we finish on all the good, we get them geared up for Thursday night. Um, <laughs> the coaching is obviously under the spotlight, um, given Ooh. the fact that both coordinators have been replaced. We're all excited about Brian Johnson coming in, given his history with Hertz. But he's obviously, it's a massive step up for him in the offensive side of the game overall, not just worrying about uh, Jalen Hurts and what he's going to do. It's the offense as a whole, so the scheming, I think it felt a little bit uh, immature maybe, a little bit sim- over simple, like, but that will come with experience and it's not, no one, no one's looking to sort of overreact and start building the, uh, the Brian Johnson train that we built for Gannon that took him out of town eventually. Um, we're all just sort of, <laughs> wanting to understand a few of the decisions, I think, from my perspective, is first off, the overuse of Gainwell. Now, again, not something that you can kind of look at and go, why were they using Gainwell so much? Gainwell is a good running back. Gainwell they kept saying that Gainwell's probably going to be the lead back. Some sources were saying, causing us to kind of go, well, you've, got, you've just got Swift, what are you on about? Um, but obviously, they've got a plan, and the plan this week was to run Gainwell. Now I don't, I can't think of a reason why, and that's all I ever try to do with this sort of situation. I try to put my head in their shoulders, think about what the intention was, whether it came off or not. Because sometimes good plans just don't come off; they look terrible, but the intent was there. And I, I, for me, I just can't figure out what the the logic was behind the running game. Swift got one carry for three yards, and uh, and then Boston Scott got a carry, and I think um, that was it, wasn't it? Apart from Hertz running on the ground himself. Boston Scott and DeAndre Swift both got one attempt for three yards each. Now, I'm not sure if that's correct because that seems awfully symmetrical, but that's a, that's the stat lines off the game book. So, but looking at that, Mick, what, what's your thoughts behind just the, the the excessive use? So, 14 attempts to 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 two of the anyone else of actual running back um, yeah. side of things. It's, it's fairly lopsided and it's sort of the, the same thing happened last year when we thought, oh, running back by committee is a possibility that's all we heard during pre-season sort of thing and then it came to it and Bill Sanders was the workhorse and that was it um the same things happened again but this time is slightly more daunting because it, last year we you know we said running back by committee but we knew what we we, we knew what we had in Bill Sanders and, and he was, he's a bit better than, than Kenny Gainwell um and behind him there wasn't a lot behind him but making moves in the offseason like bringing penny in i know we're not paying him a lot of money but he was an inactive one game day uh we bring it we trade for swift so i mean we're using we're using assets there um to bring a guy in to to run the ball for us or even become you know a a target on checkdowns and things but again he, he didn't see the well i think his snap count was decent or around the same level of Kenny Gainwell. I don't have the snap count in front of me right now, but I'm sure it was close-ish. But it, the touches that, Ke- that Kenny Gainwell got was just unbelievable. Like from the little I actually seen of the game last uh, on the night itself, 
I remember turning to you and said, why are they using Gainwell so much? It just seemed to be snap after snap. It was just Gainwell running the ball. I, I think he even had quite a few targets. And at, at the time, I think it was more than some of our wide receivers, you know, like AJ. And it's like, why are we not getting the passing game involved? And it just seemed to be so one-dimensional. And I think that's why we had so much success in the first quarter and then totally stuttered on offense for pretty much the rest of the game is because the Patriots you know, cottoned on and changed their game plan. Bill Belichick is one of the best defensive minds that there are. And we didn't have a counter. We, we just had one game plan, one set, like maybe keep it simple, stupid, probably just for the first game to keep the guys, you know, to one aim, one goal, just get this game over with and, and move on sort of thing. But it just, it didn't work. And it's, it just, well, it was working, but then it just stopped working. And, we didn't have an answer for it, uh, and it wasn't until we got into half time. I felt it was there was maybe a bit of a resurgence when we came out in the third quarter or towards the end of the third quarter uh, when we, we did start to get in a bit of a rhythm with the wide receivers. But I just I, I can't for the life of me understand why that was the game plan going in. And Nick Sirianni's going to just have to take that on the chin, and I think he understands that as well. He was asked about it post game, you know, why wasn't Swift used, and he sort of you know, said the same thing about Devontae Smith not getting any catches against the Lions, or was that the Goddard thing? Maybe I'm getting confused with the Goddard thing. But then they they there's game plan and it didn't work. Yeah. Well the, yeah, like you said, uh, with with AJ Brown sort of got the they got the rhythm going. I think he had sort of three or four targets on the bounce and they made some considerable yardage. There was one that I think got turned down because they said it wasn't a, a catch, um which I think was a terrible call so there's every chance that the way the officials have you know made looked at the game and taking that one off there off the board was sort of a, a drive killer because those sort of decisions you know big a big game chalked off always just deflates you and, and and sort of stunts the momentum of a of a drive i think yeah the, the whole situation with, with the running backs i you can't even say that the that Swift's more of a, a receiving running back, so maybe there wasn't a game for sort of passing it to the backs. Because Gamewell got four four targets, four catches. Swift got mm. two, I think it was. And it just doesn't make sense to me. And that's quite a bad drop. <laughs> and I think that what worry what worries me most going into Thursday, because it's such a short week, there's very little time to to analyze, reflect, and change anything. You're almost just hoping that. You can put a few band-aids on because if we get through the Vikings game, we can we've got a long week then obviously and very long week, we've got sort of a mini buy up until the following Monday. So we're almost looking at two weeks off to sort things out. So it's gonna be hugely important that we manage to get through Thursday night with a good win. And I'm not saying that it's that it sounds really defeatist that we're sort of totally gonna ask maybe we can live through the Vikings. I'm still confident that we can Beat the Vikings, and we'll, and we'll get into it about exactly why. Because the, you know they're different teams. The Vikings are, are off to a bad start, and they're a different team in terms of their pass defense isn't definitely not as good. Their defense as a whole is not as good as was demonstrated by the result against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But um, there's not a lot of time. Not it's not a lot of time to just investigate and just and just try and figure out what's going on and. Just to touch on a few of the other sort of in the bad column before we try and get back onto the good. Um, 
Reed Blankenship did have a good game in the secondary. Um, I think he had six tackles, I think it was, and I think he had um, a couple of good drives. Sydney Brown got some good action on special teams, but didn't seem to get any use on on actual defence. Um, and Justin Evans is pish, as you've uh, quite rightly written on the notes. Um, <laughs> the overall view of the of the secondary, it did feel very much a little bit disorganised, a little bit scattergun. There's a couple of boldies, breakdowns that I've had a look at, and, and there's very much like uncovered players going through. Put that down to inexperience in the team, because we've obviously lost couple of linebackers in the offseason, the ones we replaced it with. We'll touch on on injuries in a minute. Nakobe Dean's obviously gone down. Um what's your overall thoughts on the secondary? Are you are you worried or are you just thinking again that's a bit of rust and a bit of an experience that will gradually sort of get 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 ironed out as the season goes along? Yeah, well I feel like I'm about to say I'm on the fence, but that's that's your that's your tagline. But I think there's players there that are clearly inadequate um, for this roster, and Justin Evans is, is one of them. I didn't think he had a particularly good game. I think, like I said, I wrote in the, in the pod notes for everyone listening that Justin Evans is pish, as, as Phil also said, um, which I wholeheartedly believe. Uh, I don't know. I don't understand why the Eagles like him so much. Uh, Terrell Edmonds uh, has far much more experience. It maybe might not be a better player, but he has far more experience. Like Evans just looked totally lost out there. Like, he doesn't even understand the defensive scheme. And so many zone plays, he was uh, in the wrong area, um, or he, he was covering the wrong man. He just didn't look like an NFL player. He just looked like a lost little boy. And I need to see a hell of a lot more out of him if he's going to be a starter for this team um, on the on the run that we're looking for. Because that's just a that's just a, a a chink in the armor for this for this defense, and and we can't allow that. I mean, we're 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 talking about the Patriots here. You know, they have probably one of the worst receiving units in the NFL. Um, I'm not sure I could name all the three of those starting wide receivers, um, but the yeah. I just was not impressed at all. And the linebacker position as well. Again, Zach Cunningham, I know he won the starting job next to Nicobe Dean during the preseason, but um, I mean, there wasn't stiff competition really, was there? Uh, it was either, it was between Miles Jack, who decided, nah, I'm just going to retire, um, and uh, Nicholas Morrow, who I think we've now signed back to the 53 or possibly the practice squad. Um, again, just He's, not good enough, and we were getting beat by by Mac Jones. Mac, like, <laughs> Mac Jones was just balling out over us at one point, and it was it was sickening to be honest, Phil. And see if we if we come across a high powered offense, which we will very soon this season, it's going to get embarrassing. And Kirk Cousins can throw the ball, you know. Vikings aren't short of of an arm and and some good receivers. In fact, the best receiver in the game, as it happens, as well as a very very. Good, sorry, I'm going. I'm getting too ahead of myself. I'll stop <laughs> because I'm getting into the Vikings preview. But I'm worried. I'm worried. Yeah, especially when you've got players like Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison who had a good game um, coming into us. We're going to have to definitely find some heavy duty band aids. Um, it was um, Nicholas Moore has been obviously elevated to the active squad, and uh, Rosh- Rashan Evans has been 
promoted to the practice squad or been signed to the practice squad, I should say. Um, okay, I think I think that's enough. Bad. Uh, the only other last thing to quickly touch on was Sipos' uh, standard, which I know is going to anger Mick greatly. Made mm-hmm. a bit of a, an arse of a punt uh, and flinched and was late to kick it and drew an illegal man downfield. Like I think that was one I didn't quite catch because I saw, I saw it. I didn't realise what was happening, but I think I remember, uh, remember what happened now. I mean, he's not, he's obviously going to go back down. There's now a decision that has to be made about his place on the practice squad and whether he's going to get elevated full time. Um, he's terrible, Phil. He's going to cost us a game. <laughs> I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. He's definitely going to cost us another game this season. <laughs> speaking, speaking of cost us a game, I, I'm pretty sure I saw Derek Barnett's name a couple of times on some key plays, which drew a brief heart palpitation or two from me. So, uh, you yeah. Jersey, I don't think he got a flag. So. Well, he didn't, but then it's like a <laughs> <laughs> well done for one, walking up. <laughs> one, yeah, here's your here's your trophy for not screwing the game up. Luckily, someone else did that on your behalf this time. Um, maybe we'll have time for some bonehead cafe talk next week. But let's let's quickly move on to the onto the good and the downright sexy because I think we all need a bit of a pick up after that. Now, Mix highlighted one particular player for the downright sexy, but I might make an argument for one of the others. But we'll get into it. Um, gradually, and then um, we'll talk about it more. Jordan Davis had a pretty good game, along with Jalen Carter. Um, but had a couple had a sack towards the end, which was key to to, to stifling the the Patriots as they were marching down the field again, um, which put them back into into fourth down territory, and then they obviously drew a, a penalty that moved them back even further, which kind of gave us a bit of a sigh of relief. Um, Jalen Carter only played half the defensive snaps and generated the most pressures um, and had a big time sack, like I said, at the end of the game. Are you, where are you on the Jalen Carter scale, Mick? Are you on the, this is what I expected, so no diggity, this is where I'm happy where we are, or are you excited? Are you, are you optimistic? Are you thinking this was better? I didn't expect him to start so quickly, so I'm absolutely ecstatic of where he started or, or somewhere in between. Mate, I am through the roof on Jalen Carter. The temperature scale is hotter than that 30-degree sun that was beating down on us <laughs> in, in Suffolk or Norfolk or whatever English county we were in. Um, I, I've ordered my Kelly Green Jalen Carter jersey. That that was before the season kicked off, and that's how confident I was with this, with this young man. Um, and every GM in the league that drafted before us is going to be kicking themselves why they didn't take this guy because he's already showing it. He's already um, having, like, he's, like you said, he generated the most pressures. on. His, he had eight pressures um, during that game, and that's the most uh, rook, uh, rookie defensive tackles had in five years or something like that. I'm sure I, I listened yeah, I think to that one of the other NFL podcasts who do a lot more research than I do. Um, and the, the guy's just... I've put him down as the damn right sexy, right? So that's like... Just wipe it out of there. So make sure... <laughs> like, oh, that's that's why I've circled. I know Phil's probably going to argue with me about another player, but I put Jalen Carter down for that because I think it was just such a dominant performance for how little he was actually on the field. And it's just so impressive for a guy who is just in the NFL, had so many question marks over the top of him, and he's producing on the field 
Um, and that's exactly what we need to see. And and it's it, it's it's beautiful and it's beautiful timing as well because Fletcher Cox looks to be carrying some rib injuries as well. So we might even see Jalen Carter's snap count increase over the next couple of games to let Fletcher um, heal again. But looking at the defensive line as a whole, it's there's just so much to be excited about on that line because, like you said, Jordan Davis um, recorded half a sack. He made the fourth fumble. And for to give us the short field for the Devontae Smith touchdown. Uh, what we needed to see out of Jordan Davis this season is pass rush ability, and that's what he's shown us already in week one. Um, he turned up to training camp this season looking a bit more trimmer, a bit more leaner. He looked ready to play some NFL football um, from what he produced in his first. And I think he had a better game on Sunday than he did any week last season, and that and, and that's saying a lot. Um, and not only Jordan Davis, I mean, we had Fletcher Cox was out there and, and he was doing his thing. Milton Williams, Milton Williams is like a really good underrated player. It's like we just sort of see him as like just one of the rotational guys, but Milton Williams would be a starter on most other defensive lines across the NFL. And this is a guy we, we probably have to give a bit more credit to that we don't currently. So I'll be keeping an, a, a keen eye on Milton over the, the next coming next coming weeks. Um, the guys on the edge, you know, Josh Sweat had a hell of a game as well, I think. So kudos to the defensive line and especially to those Georgia dogs because I think they deserve it. Yeah, I think, yeah, the defensive line as a whole is probably the one key shining light overall for us in that game. Um, the defence as a whole sort of got us into the game, got us in that commanding lead. But generally, if without them, that, that game could have got been absolutely terrible. It could have been really awkward. Um if not for the the talent, the huge amount of talent and the performances from Carter and Davis. And like you said, Cox as well, having a hell of a game, Milton Williams sort of showing up. And that's a good sign. That's the sort of probably the lightning rod that we'll cling to going forward is that as long as we can keep those guys healthy and performing, that the rest can gradually fall into line and, and hopefully get go from strength to strength. Now, Mick, rightly so, mentioned that Jalen Carter was the damn right sexy for this week, according to his notes. I don't necessarily disagree with that. And I think my arguments against it are purely because of the impact that he had on the game. And you know where I'm going on this, Mick, Jay Kelly. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, but purely from my perspective, from, from the fact that if he doesn't make those kicks and a 61 yarder like this, they're not, they're not nothing kicks. 32, 56, 48, and 51. I think it was a 61 yarder um, on there as well, I'm pretty sure. But Either way, being clutch, you know, people go on about kickers and how much do they really matter. But in a game like this, without those without those kicks, we we don't win that game. And he missed, he did miss a um a PAT. Um so it wasn't like he had a perfect game, but I feel like when it got to the end of the game and we were just eking out three points, three points, three points, that without that, we would have been under so much more pressure. I mean, yeah, we were five points ahead, but a touchdown would have ended that but if we had if we'd been a point ahead they would have only needed or two obviously we would have only needed they would have only needed a, a field goal to to take it again which then puts in more pressure on the defense so i think he's my argument for for downright sexy but it doesn't feel like a very sexy pick because a kicker isn't that so i'm, I'm happy to kickers see but maybe <laughs> kickers are people too but i feel like people are going to go well jake it's just a kicker but i feel like these are the reasons we won that game so he would have been my my vote but I'm happy that um, that Jalen Carter is equally deserving of it because of, 
of the symbolism of what it means, the fact that he's come in, he's everything we we want to we want to see. And going forward, you know, offenses are going to take note, and they're going to be like, we need to watch out for this guy because he is not something to be tried for just because he's a rookie does not mean anything um that's the problem i mean if you're going to try and double like jalen carter wasn't being double teamed on some place so he was only facing up with the guard he was just doing a, a chop and he was straight through to mac jones and, and luckily mac was able to get the ball out pretty fast or the sack numbers would have been a lot higher and i think that's probably why in my predictions i put the sack count so high because i, I thought the defensive line was going to dominate this offensive line for the patriots but credit to them they had it in their game plan let's get the ball out quick and often um uh, which they did to their credit but yeah just going back to jake elliott got to give him his props i, I will like it was either it was either going to be him or jalen carter all day every day uh, and it's just like you said it's the contribution that he makes to the team year in year out like jake is just nails all the time and it's surprising how many like i don't think he was he in the pool ball last year or did he get snubbed last year or was it the year before it seems every year he gets snubbed for for these sort of accolades but jake is nails normally like you said he missed the pat i'd rather he missed a pat than a field goal especially uh, the way the game was going and we didn't make it easy for jakey like you said kicking you know from 50 yards 60 yards sort of thing we shouldn't really be putting him in those sort of positions uh it just it just goes to show how much the offense was really really struggling we just couldn't we couldn't establish the run um and the passing offense was a complete mess and there was signal calling was awful the offensive line play was awful at times and um jakey bailed us out on this one definitely mm. so uh, i can't i can't argue too much well we'll leave it at jalen car because i feel like it is just the more glamorous of the two um but jake elliott has definitely done more than enough he's more than good he's sort of sexy so um <laughs> before we uh take a break and, and move on to the vikings preview we'll just quickly finish off with the injuries that have come out and yes we've had a season as Liam quite rightly pointed out, being the healthiest we've ever been, and sure as sure as not sure as uh, excuse me anything, the uh, curse of Liam talking up the fact that injuries will come away, here they come. Um, so as we briefly touched, Nakobe Dean went down with a foot injury. He's now been placed on IR, so he'll be out for four to five weeks, um, which allows us to free up the roster spot. Which, as I mentioned, we bring up Rashawn Johnson to replace uh, Morrow, who or Ellis. Was it sorry? Um, up to the yeah, we, we signed we signed Morrow to the fifty three, and we've put Rashawn Evans on back the squad. Yeah, that was my brain part there. Sorry, mm -hmm. but um, yeah. So Fletcher Cox had a bit of a hit. He went for an MRI, but it hasn't shown anything. Um, could be available for Thursday night, but that's been touted as very much a discomfort level so if he doesn't feel like he's in a position to play or he might aggravate something he won't play but i'm sure if he's able to play he will be right there back trying to uh, keep us going down um bradbury is in a concussion protocol unfortunately um so he is going to be out highly like i don't I think it's like minimum of five days isn't it you've got to be on protocol before you can pass yeah. the pass the test to be elevated back to healthy so he's going to be gone which means that we're going to have to bring in one of the rookie cornerbacks likely to to cover him, which I'm not necessarily upset about, but you know, you know you're gonna miss if either Bradbury or Stay goes out, they're gonna be a huge loss. So that's gonna be an interesting um point to watch on on Thursday night is who they bring in to cover for, for Bradbury. 
and how well they do. Um, lastly, we've got Reed, Blankenship, and Gamo not practicing due to rib injuries. Um, don't think these are incredibly serious, but I think Reed, Blankenship is oh, seeming like he's lesser than Gamo, I think was what I read earlier. So I think there's a higher chance of, of, of Reed being okay to play Thursday. Gamo is still considered day-to-day, -day, I think. So there's a chance that we could be out of game well anyway, so the discussions about why he was carrying so much might be a, a moot point come Thursday night when they have to bring in Swift or Penny. Uh, I imagine we'll be uh, elevated if he's healthy for that game. So we'll be looking at Boston, Scott, Penny, and, and Swift as our, as our running back trio for that game. So it'll be interesting to see. But um, what's your thoughts, Mick? I mean, they're... We, it was always going to happen at some point coming in and, and Nicobe Dean's going to be a big loss considering the linebacker has been such a topic of discussion. Yeah, um, He had a good game by all accounts and losing him for four or five weeks is a, is a problem, especially for, for him in terms of he's waited so long to get a starting job and now that's been sort of curtailed for a few games. So touching on Nicobe Dean and and, a couple, and the others as well, um, what's your sort of overall thoughts on the, the impact and the, and the consequences of those injuries? Yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's so unfortunate for Nakobe. Like, he's he's trying to get a, he's got the starter's job, he's got the green dot on the helmet, he's the he's the, he's the signal caller, the, the general on the defense, and it's just been stripped away from him because he's been placed on IR. And it, it couldn't be worse actually where these injuries have, have come up because we, we do have depth in a lot of places on this roster. The places we don't have depth, linebacker and safety. Um, our starting linebacker, starting Mike linebacker is, is on IR. That's a disaster, especially when we consider that Zach Cunningham had a terrible fucking game against the Patriots and we don't have much behind him. We're signing guys off the street on the practice squad to try and replace him. We're signing another guy, the 53, who we previously cut because he wasn't good enough to be on the squad. So that tells me everything um, I need to know about the linebacker position and that we are in trouble. Um, especially when it comes to maybe some of the, the Premier tight ends, uh, TJ Hawkinson, <coughs> cough, cough, next week. <laughs> um, and then again, looking at safety, if, I mean, if blanket, I don't want to be like clutching at perils. I know it's week one and, you know, some of these injuries might not be serious, but losing Reed Blankenship and I'll stop myself, like a year ago, I'd be like, well, who cares, you know? Reed Blankenship, he's a UDFA. Reed is now one of the the, the the guys on defense for us. And so we need him to start because, like like I said, we just don't have the depth. Beside him, we've got Justin Evans, who's fucking terrible. And then under that, who do we have? Terrell Edmonds, who did he how many snaps did he get? Have you got the snap count in front of you? I can get it. So uh 10. 10, 10 snaps on uh, at safety on Sunday, bravo! And then we <laughs> after that we've got Sydney Brown, who we all love. We love Shagger Brown. Uh, I don't know if we're going to call him that yet, but um, who made good plays on special teams? Didn't have a snap for the defense on Sunday, so it's another guy going in possibly green uh, on on a scheme that he's not com completely comfortable with or familiar with being. Um, only a rookie and still learning the playbook and learning under Sean Desai's instruction. So it's a massive worry bead for the linebacker position and the safety. Like I said, the 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 um, 
the injuries just couldn't be in worse positions, really. For, for me, I mean, you don't... It's not as if like you've got a, a perfect place for you to get an injury. Um, although maybe punter wouldn't be too bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but like I said, like the Fletcher Cox one isn't truly concerning because you're like right, Fletcher. If you're if you've got a lot of discomfort, that's fine. Maybe sit out a week. We've got Jalen Carter. We've got um, we've got uh, what's his name, the big guy, uh, John Davis. <laughs> we've got Milton Williams. We've got uh, you know Street who can who I don't know if Street even played on Sunday actually. Um, but we're we're built on the lines, you know. So we've got plenty of, of players there to to come in when we we truly need them. And it just, I it's it's just like it's just another concern for me. Look, I'm I'm trying not to clutch at the perils and all that sort of thing, <laughs> but it's just it's just it's it's all moving up. Um, Street played six snaps. Just, just to clarify yeah. your point, so not not a great deal. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, you know, if you're going to have an injury somewhere, linebacker is probably not not the place that we want to be having it due to the uncertainty at the start of the season and and the lack of depth in that position. So that's definitely going to be an area for concern and an area of joy for our guest uh, Andy, who's going to be joining us shortly. Um, but before that, we're going to take a, a quick break, roll the adverts in a sec, Mick, and then we'll we'll be back in a few. Celebrate victories, rally through challenges, and bond with fellow fans as you toast with a dram of Loch Lomond single malt whiskey. From tailgating gatherings to watch parties at home, Loch Lomond whiskey becomes an essential companion, enhancing the moments that make football so extraordinary. It's the perfect accompaniment from the joy of victory to the bittersweet moments of defeat. Loch Lomond offer a wide range of malts with their flagship perfectly balanced and signature expressions inch moan and inch muren to suit any taste palate. Celebrate greatness on and off the field this season with a perfect balance of Loch Lomond whiskey and Eagles football. From the first pour to the crowd roar. Fly Eagles fly. And we're back, and like I said, we've got our friend Andy, um, Vikings fan, on to join us for the preview of Thursday Night Football with the Vikings. Um, but first off, Andy, how are you? Thanks for joining us, first off. How, how are you doing, man? How was the, uh, how, how did you feel about your overall the, uh, the Tampa Bay loss? I know it's not probably an easy thing to talk about so soon, but from our perspective, as we were at the wedding, we barely had a chance to catch our own game, so we're relying on you very much to give us your your, your thoughts on the game. Yeah, no problem. No, nice to see you, lads. Um, haven't spoken for a long time, so very nice to see your beautiful faces on the screen. Oh, thank you very um, much. And congratulations to Liam as well. Obviously not with us, but um, hope you had a nice time at the wedding. Um, yeah, it was... A really frustrating game to be honest um truth be told i've not paid a lot of attention pre-season um I, I for one reason or another but i find those games quite difficult to get into and we i could tell from a brief overview that we weren't playing any of the starters um in, at all so it was hard to sort of gauge what to expect from this season really i think 
you know, 13 wins last season, you always think, wow, it would be amazing if we could build on that. Um, but it was just a really annoying game in a lot of ways because we didn't play particularly badly. Um, but we made life so difficult for ourselves as well. I mean, so many silly mistakes. Um, so you turned over the ball three times I yeah. got down on, on the notes here. Like, um, Was that all sort of passing players or were there a couple of players <laughs> in there? No, I mean, there, were, there was three offensive turnovers. Two were in the red zone. Um, one was a, um, was a fumble. And you know what the internet's like, you know what? Vikings fans can be like straight away. There was people getting on Cousins' back for the um, for one of them, but he, you know, he fired a pass into um, KJ Osborne, maybe a yard from the end zone, and he just had it ripped out of his hands. You know, the pass was perfect. He just had to find a way in, and um, to to be in those positions and not make those count, it's something we saw quite a lot of last season, and you, yeah. You can't get away with it, even if you play in a half decent team. Um, and, and on the other side, you know, six penalties again, uh, which which I think equate for about fifty yards. Stupid things like having too many men on the field, you know, just giving up ridiculous yardage. And again, you know, people think what they like about Baker Mayfield, but he's been around, he knows the league, and they're still they're still a capable enough team to punish you for that sort of thing. Yeah, is Baker it, Mayfield. Oh, sorry, Barnett. Oh, I wasn't going to talk about Baker, but you kind of feel like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it was interesting that you said, Andy, that you didn't play the Stars during the preseason, and that's one of the things that me and Phil were talking about during our own game because neither did the Eagles, and we were like, "Was is that a contributing factor of how rusty the offense was when they came out?" Because Jalen hadn't seen any real snaps, the offensive line hadn't seen any real snaps. And it seems to be becoming a theme around the league, and I don't know if maybe they're going to change that. Um, like looking at next preseason, if you're going to start introducing starters and and things like that, just to try and combat the, the rustiness of, of week one, depending on you know the matchup that you've got. But just going back to your game, I'm just looking at some of the stats, and it's it's unbelievable because you look at Kirk Cousins. You see, he had he threw he had the ball in the air 44 times. Um, completing 33 of them that's a 75 percent complete completion percentage 344 yards and you only put up 17 points yeah how um, is that how is that possible it just doesn't seem i know it's um when when o'connell came in this was what we expected we expected uh to throw the ball more um you know, he's a quarterback himself and he was really happy to work with Cousins. We also moved Cook out the door um, in the off-season and the running game has been left a bit questionable, really. I mean, we've got Madison there who's probably deserving of a chance to be the the alpha at a team. But in pre-season, one of the things that did stand out was there's no real plan for who the backup is. Um, you know, we tried Ty Chandler, we tried... Kenny Wong, who's now injured. Nobody did anything of note, so we ran the ball a lot less. Um, we do have good passing options as well, so you know there's yeah. every reason to be throwing the ball a lot more. But um, yeah, when you when you throw in three hundred and fifty yards and putting up seventeen points, it's absolutely bizarre. 
Yeah, it's uh, it, it, like Mick's covered it. That was the point I was kind of going to go on to after briefly speaking about Baker Mayfield. Like we said, he's he's been in the league and he's he knows what to do. He is can be inconsistent, but I think there is there was a, just an expectation that when you're going from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield, that there's going to be a natural steep drop down in in talent um, or, or reliability. I'd say I'd say in terms of I know there's an obvious de- deficit in talent, but reliability with Tom Brady you know exactly what you're getting and you can pretty much put your your mortgage on that every game with Baker Mayfield you could easily double your money as to lose everything just as easy just as just as flipping a coin so um yeah it's like it makes sense I mean when you've got Jordan Addison highly touted uh, rookie wide receiver also getting your only uh, your receiving touchdown his first touchdown in the NFL um and obviously the name that does not need to be said on this podcast, Justin Jefferson, um, is obviously number one wide receiver in the league last season. Higher chance he's going to be that again if Kirk can maintain the level of um, of supply that he normally does, as you can see. Like with 350 yards, it's, it's hard not to see Justin Jefferson sort of smashing records previously struck last season. But, but you know, the Vikings are turning over the ball, like you said. It's sort of some, it couldn't be put at Kirk still, but it's, naturally fan base is looking for a scapegoat and it's always going to be the quarterback um even if it's a running play it's always the quarterback the handoff or something stupid like that um but Matson, like you said he he deserves a chance he got a, the rushing touchdown for you guys as well so he obviously has managed to sort of justify his position as the alpha so you're you're not in a terrible position and i think the score line i think it's more the shock rather than the performance or the score line people are just Wow. Okay. We didn't. No one expected Tampa Bay to sort of to come in and win a game, but they obviously didn't technically win it convincingly. But Baker just had a good game. Next week he could throw five picks and and lay an absolute egg. So I think you just got on the unlucky side of this one, maybe. Um, but let's turn our attentions now. Let's just put that in the rearview mirror. Um, look ahead to Thursday night. A really short week, obviously, for both teams. Um, it's not easy going into a short week when there are issues and there are always going to be issues but for us it's sort of a few injuries that are clearly not going to be healed by that time uh for the vikings as we've discussed it's just going to be sort of the uncertainty around your running game whether whether kirk's going to be pretty much on point as he as he as he can be it's prime time we know the the theory around prime time kirk i'm not always uh i'm not always quick to rest my uh rest my hat on that notion, but it is nice that it, it sustained itself long enough that it has to be somewhat true um, in the in the narrative of games. But we're going to talk about a couple of key matchups that we've that we've that we've highlighted from our point of view, and that is sort of I'm going to go with the second one first, which is Hawkinson against our linebackers. Now, that's probably going to be the key um, key battle of our from our defensive game point point of view. Hawkinson just got the recent extension on his contract, obviously stolen from the Lions and he performed pretty well for you last season and as was evidence against the Patriots we struggled to contain Hunter Henry and um Mike Gusecki that was sort of that that seems to be a week it seemed to be our weak area last season over the middle of the park we stopped the big plays but that just promoted a big open space for tight ends to to maximize that space and and dinking and dunking down the pitch and with a with a pass like Kirk you don't need to be invited twice to sort of to throw it to sling it down the down the field if the secondary holds up you, you're going to have we're going to have to re from our point of view sorry we're going to have to really sort of focus on how we're going to deal with that and i just personally mick i don't really see 
how we're going to do that. And that sounds really kind of completely defeatist, but because it's so evident in Hawkinson's an upgrade on what we've just faced, and now we've got an injury to Nagobi Dean, the depth isn't there. It feels like it's going to be a real concern for me. I don't know about you, Mick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hawkinson is going to be a problem for us. Tight ends are always a problem for us, and it was evident again on Sunday. Like you said, having depletion in the linebacker position just compounds the problem. Uh, as well as you know, if you're going to drop a safety into the box, that uh, you know you're you're leaving yourself up top to the to the big plays against the the two wide receivers. You've got Justin Jefferson. You're probably going to want to try and bracket him with with the corner, especially with Bradbury out this week. So if you're looking at a matchup, you're looking at Justin Jefferson versus you know a Josh Job. You're probably going to try and bracket him with one of the safeties, so you can't drop him into the box. Who else are you going to cover you? Oh, you've got Jordan Addison on the other side. Maybe Slay might be covering him. Okay, what else are you going to do? You've got Hawkinson over the middle. It's it's just that it's a it's a bit of a matchup nightmare for the the personnel that we have available for this game and the uh, experience that we have in the defensive secondary. Talking about guys like Joe, guys like who the fuck knows who's going to start the linebacker and whoever's going to be paired up with Reed Blankenship. So it's definitely an area for concern. And if, you know, if I've got Hawkinson in any of my fantasy leagues, I'm probably going to start them. <laughs> I think you'd be starting him anyway, to be fair. But I get your point. It's it's If you could captain, as we do in our, our fantasy Premier League games, you can captain to get some double points or something. I'd be smashing him into the, the, the captain spot, I think, for this week. Um, Andy, thoughts on... I mean, first off, from your perspective, how did Hawkinson do against Tampa Bay? Did he have, did he have an okay game? Was he quiet? Was he just not used? Or and then, what's your sort of thoughts against the Eagles sort of linebacker core and, and your chances? Yeah, I mean, as you were talking about it, I thought, yeah, I feel like he had a quiet game. Um, but then, when you look at the numbers, second most receptions, um, which isn't that unusual for someone of his ability, but I feel like it's sort of maybe we missed a trick even still because Jefferson started the game like an absolute train. Um, he had, I think he had a hundred plus yards after the first two quarters, which yeah, I think you're he right. Was just, he, he was equal to the yards, but then he only finished with 150. So something happened. They made an adjustment. We didn't really respond to it. I mean, he's always, he's always going to be in double coverage, but somehow he still seems to get it done. But, um, and maybe with a rookie on the other side, it's there's you know there's there's work to do there. Osborne's not quite filling anybody with confidence, so Hawkinson has to step up and he has to be. I just think when it's not working with JJ, Hawkinson is that guy who like Mick said he has to make those those shorter catches. He has to be in that space between the lines and just make those reliable you know eight ten yard gains down the field because. That's exactly what Tampa did. They didn't do anything expansive to beat us, but they ran the ball quite well. And Baker was just making eight yard passes. It was just eight yards, eight yards, chipping away, um, moving the chains like that. And sometimes I think with the Vikings, it's a bit all or nothing. You know, Kirk's got a great long ball. He loves to air it out. We saw with the Addison touchdown, so many times with Jefferson. But I don't know, sometimes it just feels like we could do the basics a little bit better um 
But like if if you've got those very very evident injury concerns in that area, then it just it seems like a a matchup that's in our favour, I guess. Yeah. Um, apologies for covering at your face. I wasn't quite sure how the graphic was going to overlay, but um, it's not that I don't like looking at you. It's just a, it might be a little bit pertinent for a bit of information for for us and for you with looking at Hawkinson's thirty five yards that he got and 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 the impact that the receiving game um had like you said Justin Jefferson getting 150 yards and, and Jordan Addison getting Jordan Addison getting a more than more than respectable first game 61 yards and a touchdown I think um in terms of fantasy owners when you when you're looking at a rookie wide receiver who's been taken that high into a into a system where you've got a player like Justin Jefferson already there people are getting excited because you know that he's going to get a bit more freedom to sort of work his way in and I think and he's done that now so a lot of people are going to be Elevating him to their starting lineups if they weren't already um, being gambled on. Um, but yeah, it's uh, if, like I say, I'm not going to touch too much more on the on the uh, tight end side of things. But I think it's safe to say that that's a, that's a solid area where you guys are going to look. You know, if you if you know what you do, if your coaches know what you're doing, that's where they're going to be targeting. So, um, and I'm pretty sure they do. Um, go after you went after your record last season. Um, I guess we, sh- we should be going as well, Phil. Sorry, just to interject, but yeah, yeah. yeah how many you, we're talking about? You know, Hawkinson having a quiet game, or sort of Andy said he only had you know thirty-five yards ish. Um, how many yards does Dallas Goddard have on Sunday? Zero, <laughs> zero yards, zero. one target, zero catches, and that is unforgivable, and it better be remedied this Thursday. <laughs> Sorry, I just need to slip that in because I didn't get it in uh, during the game preview. Uh, sorry, the game recap of the Patriots. And what the fuck are they thinking? Not getting the ball to Dallas Goddard. That better things better change this week. Personally, I can only put that down to I think the Eagles' game plan was very much engineered towards the situation, which I pray that they wouldn't do when we when we were looking ahead um, for the Patriots game. It was more of a case of you know. There's a big ceremony going on. Hopefully, the Patriots will be too distracted by the ceremony. They won't be up their A game. It turned out that I think it was us that sort of allowed the situation to sort of muddle things up and the, the weather and and everything else. But we won't go back and, and tread on too much old ground. It's going to be more of a case of uh, looking ahead and going and hoping that Dallas Goddard definitely, like you said, gets, gets a significant upgrade in targets um, because he is that reliable guy. Um, and when you're when you're going into a season looking at the, the receiving core of Smith, Brown and, and Goddard, and Goddard doesn't even get a well, gets one target. It's the, the you, you, you just look at this, you're just looking at the coach going, What are you doing, man? Like like <laughs> please like like I say, every like my my unofficial role in this podcast is always to look at the reasons why like it's easy to get angry and say Dallas got again one target and is is abysmal but i was kind of going well, well why has that happened why are the coaches decided? what what could be the reason why what happened elsewhere in the game that meant that apparently that wasn't where they were going for and i can't find anything i can't look at it and go well that's what happened i'm sat here with you mick kind of going it's unacceptable and it needs to change for this game and i and <laughs> it better do um next on them on the matchup list we've got our interior defensive line versus what Mick has written down, and they don't shoot the messenger. He's put a weak Vikings interior. Now I don't have any knowledge on this situation, but what's your what's your thoughts on your own interior um, versus our our interior? 
helps if I unmute myself. Um, <laughs> I think I, I don't know if we were recording when I said this bit, but um, a lot of it's going to depend on injuries as well. Um, we have picked up some before the game, um, picked up a couple during the game as well. So had a short week as well, like you said. So I don't know whether who's going to make it. To be honest, um, they're hoping one of the one of the main guys was described as day to day. One of them did come back on the field, but heavily strapped up. And then again, it's a short week. So what you know, what what sort of state are they going to be in um, if if they do make it? Um, I try not to get too swept up in the Twitter side of things, but we, we have a guy called Ed Ingram um, who's mm. becoming a bit of a joke. Uh, in, I've yeah, I don't know how many times what the record is, but there's there's a stat going around about the sheer number of times he stood on Kirk Cousins' feet um, <laughs> and, and caused a loss of possession or you know a turnover, which is a ridiculous stat. I mean, once... Okay, twice is probably too many, but you know we're talking three or four times at least since he's come into the side. Um, I don't, I don't think he could possibly have ever been as bad as Jamon Brown, who actually ended up <laughs> sacking his own quarterback for us about three years ago. Now, thank God, he never set foot back on the pitch. But we kind of get that sentiment a little bit. Uh, Garrett, we so one of the one of the big doubts we've got for this game is Garrett Bradbury, our centre as well. Um, that's going to be a problem. Um, anyway, I think it, we'd have a problem in this game, even if he was fit. Um, so, yeah, it, it's not an area that anyone at the Vikings is particularly big on. Uh, it's been a problem for the last couple of years that is needed to be addressed, but we've had a lot of other problem areas in the squad and you can't address them all, all at the same time. So, um it's definitely not a area of the squad that kind of fills many people with confidence. Well, maybe we'll have a bit of bit of luck in that area because I feel like going into this Thursday night football, I'm feeling increasingly deflated about it, given the situations and the more I think about us receive uh, us facing your receiving core. <laughs> it's sort of I know we've got our own significant receiving call, but based on how we, you know, you wouldn't have thought we were both going into this. You, you, know, you would have thought, listen to this podcast, that we were both going into it 0 and 1. Now, we, we we still won our first game and we still managed to sort of get through it. So we should be at least positive at that aspect. And it's probably more pressure on you guys, especially going into the link to talk to, to write a season because Darren Owen, too, it's sort of it's devastating because it's sort of you, you, 0 and 1 is, is fixable, 0 and 2 suggests. There's a map, there's a little bit more to, to, to get over than, than just a little bump in the road. Um, but generally, I'm, I'm still feeling confident personally. Obviously, you will against your own team. I feel like being at home, if it was in Minnesota, probably it's probably one of those uh pickums where if we were visiting you, I'd be even I'd be slightly less confident, maybe not, not predicting a significantly positive result, but. I feel like based on maybe how last season went, we, we thought it was going to be a lot closer last season and we ended up sort of having a having a really good game, but we've lost a few of those players and, and we obviously started off against um, the Lions scoring a lot of points. So we kind of went into that game confident in our offense, which we're not so much. 
this time. So it says sort of two questions for me overriding the game, which is can we shore things up on defense enough to stop that killer triple threat that you've got? And can we um can we can we get our offense going? Because it just it sort of spits and starts. Don't get me wrong, we've discussed this already, uh, Andy, but obviously when when they were throwing the ball, there was some some quality passing, but then it just sort of either the Patriots adjusted and, and just stumped us a bit or or we were just not able to get any kind of fluidity going. So there's a there's a big question mark over that. And as we touched on the Dallas Goddard situation, that if that was all just a one-off, then then we'll be absolutely fine. But if those are sort of systemic problems, which are going to take a lot longer to overcome, it could be a really difficult game for us to, to try and do it. Because from my perspective, it's got, probably could well be quite a big shootout, I think, with two such stellar offensive receiving cores, good passing and that, I think. And our defensive situation is going to probably allow a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, yards to someone like Hawkinson and probably a couple of you know significant amount of points as well if we're not careful. So we're going to, the offense is going to have to be on their game for me. Um, Mick, I don't know what your sort of overall thoughts are about in terms of how the game's going to go. Yeah, I think defensively to try and negate like some of the the premier wide receivers if you can even try and negate these guys. I mean we've got to try and win on the line of scrimmage. I think where it went wrong with the Patriots, we started losing on the line of scrimmage and it really, really hurt us. If we can get that pass rush to put pressure on Kirk Cousins, you know, before, you know, these deep routes are developing, um, they'll probably try and hit us with some shallow routes. Like we said, Hawkinson is going to be one of our main problems. Um, whether we whether or not we can take that away or Sean Desai may just allow that to happen, just let them take the, the, the easy yards in front of the sticks. Um death by a thousand cuts as we're pretty used to is usually sort of big banjo disciple sort of garen defense that we're used to just let them um take the you know the short yardage and just avoid the big plays uh leaving two high safeties and that could be the game plan that we're looking at so like you said it might be just death by a thousand cuts on defense um but and just allow the, the pass rush to get home and try and collapse the pocket, get pressures on the quarterback and 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 put Kirk off his game. Um, just try and disrupt as much as, as possible. Like I said, um, as Andy said, the, the right guard seems to be a bit of a um, calamity. So um, if we can get Jalen Catter over the top of that guy or Jordan Davis on the top of that guy, then that's an area where we can win and try and consistently win. Um, looking at the offense, it's... Uh, whether or not the offensive line can try and get their shit together before next week is, a, is another matter because uh, I, your defensive coordinator, Andy, is uh, Flores. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's just come in and Flores likes the blitz. Yeah. Um, we don't like the blitz. Jalen doesn't like the blitz. And we really struggled with it. I think um, Jack Stoll was on blitz duty as tight end and he just let someone completely past him. I think it was um, Christian Gonzalez who the Patriots just drafted and he, he took Jalen down for an easy sack, straight line, straight for him. The Patriots have matched on, yeah, but Andy, you'll know the the, um, the Vikings pass rush is, 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 is quite a force to behold. So you've got Daniel Hunter who is a guy that will punish if, if the option is there, he will punish. He, he will take um, no prisoners when it comes to um, his, his pass rush ability. And I think, I'm, I'm struggling to think who. Um, you, you tend, 
There's, yeah, there's talk that he's going to send Harrison Smith, although you know from from safety, will be doing a lot of a lot of under Flores as well. Um, we we actually did pretty well in that regard. I think it, it was interesting because we we pressured Mayfield quite well last week and um, put him under a lot of pressure, but. They came out and it was it was almost like they said, "Oh, you you you're gonna blitz." Well, watch this, and they blitzed even more than we did. Um, and it, thankfully, Kurt got the ball <laughs> out. Um, so yeah, it was a bit it was a bit sort of a, a bit of a strange matchup. But there's there's a lot of unknown things about the Vikings still at this point. I mean, we our run defense was quite good in week one. Um, mm-hmm. It's not much. It's not much to go off one game, but it wasn't very good last last season. Our secondary was quite good. That was terrible last season. We got torched time and time again. I know we won thirteen games, but we won a lot of them in ridiculous circumstances. Um, we gave up, I think, the second most passing yards last season. So that's an area that hasn't been right for years, and, and we thought we were addressing it. We, you know, we drafted in that area. We we drafted Lewis C. Two years ago, he broke his leg um, in the UK game last season. It was awful to see that. So he's just coming back. We've added Byron Murphy, which is a great pickup, but the, the group is still very unsettled and inexperienced in a lot of ways. And you two, you you guys have got two absolutely elite wide receivers, and you know that that could be that could be our undoing, definitely. Um, even if even if we do a job on the ground, which is a tough job against the Eagles anyway, um, you can hurt us on both both phases. So it's going to be really difficult. Yeah, I, I think that just listening to you two talk has sort of allowed me to, to garner some sort of positivity looking into the game of well, where some people might have some particular joy. Um, I think, yeah, if you look at the stats from from last week, like the Russian. Offense for the Vikings was pretty pretty low key. Isn't 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 the game plan? The game plans to throw it, and with three three receivers such as you have, I think the key is going to be getting to him before he throws it. So I think if I was the game plan, it would be a case of hey, you've got to put everything into to get into the quarterback as quickly as possible. Maybe not some sacks, but to get him off his game, incompletions, and and sort of pick up in secondary. So that probably leads, like Nick said earlier, to allowing the short dink and dunking in the middle of the park because. We want to be you to either be throwing it all the way down the field to give our our, our set our, our cornerbacks a chance to sort of a chance, um, but to get before he even chances to throw the ball, then yeah, if he's going to get a, a shot off to Hawkinson every now and again, we'll just have to accept that as the as the collateral damage. But if we can get to him more often than not, put him off his game, that's probably going to be the key to key to our our, our defensive program, but uh, also the, the game as a whole because the, the the fewer points we keep you to the the less the pressure there is on the offense, which has clearly not been firing on full cylinders, is going into the game. So, from my perspective, I think it's going to be a shootout because I feel like we've got enough deficiencies to be at risk of conceding a few, a few points, maybe a few long touchdowns if if Bradbury's um, replacement isn't up to standard and and the death by a thousand cuts that Nick said with the, with the tight ends, but. That being said, if we get to if we get to the quarterback early enough, we could keep it keep it low enough. So I'm not going to go into the predictions now because I feel like it's just too soon. Um, we'll do our predictions offline, um, but Andy, I will come to you briefly. I just want to get your gut feeling. Basically, I won't ask you for a, a full on 
breakdown prediction but if you were to if i was to put a gun to your head right now and say how do you think the game's going to go and what do you think it's going to be a rough sort of score maybe sort of you know you don't have to go specifics what do you think is going to what you're going to be faced with on thursday night and how confident are you I'd definitely be lying if I said I was confident. I think, I think as Vikings fans, we looked at the fixtures and we thought, I think that there was just an assumption, and I feel probably from a lot of neutrals as well that we would beat the Bucks because uh, people, it's often informed by what you see further down. So people looked at the Bucks and then they saw the Eagles and thought, oh, okay, so we'll win the first one, lose the second one. That's fine. And then, but then you look further down and you think, okay, we've got to go at the charge and we've got to play the Chargers. Tough game. Panthers, Jesus, if we can't beat them. And then the Chiefs. So Ooh, that's straight away, like you touched on it earlier, losing one game, okay, losing two games, you've got a problem. And we could have a big problem after the first four games. Um, we've, I read a stat earlier that in our two most recent prime time visits to your stadium, we've scored one touchdown. Um, wow! In the last two, which was two. Keep, keep talking, Adi. This is making me feel good. Twenty twenty two, twenty eighty. But I, you said something earlier, Phil, about um, sort of we didn't play that well, and you you certainly didn't play that well, but. If it's therefore a case of like early season rustiness and you've got to take a step back and say, well, we could improve those things. I think it's it's as simple as if both teams hit their stride, I think you'll win. You're the better team. You're the more um, contender-ready team. So even if we we would have to bring our absolute air game and hope something wasn't right with, with your guys, I think, to, to get the win, especially going there ridiculously hostile players do ball so um yeah i think you know not not expecting us to go there and win but definitely just want to see some improvements in those silly things that we let ourselves down with if we turn up and play well and don't win then fair enough but if we shoot ourselves in the foot it'll be really annoying yeah i don't think i can disagree with that too much mick i think it feels very much that's kind of what i was trying to say earlier i think if both teams we sort ourselves out. We are the better team. We should win out. It feels very much like if we lose, the reason will be because we just couldn't stop shooting ourselves in the foot in one particular area that we've already touched on. And your and your receiving core, your team as a whole, just manages to exploit those. So, um, I think that's all about everything, Mick, in terms of what we've got to discuss tonight. Um, Thank you ever so much, Andy, um, for jumping on very last minute because I know we did have plans to get you on, believe me, before tonight. It's just obviously Liam's wedding has sort of curtailed any memory I have of what our plans were in terms of getting a guest on tonight and then sudden realisation yesterday morning after a heavy night of drinking, oh, God, it's Thursday night and we're going to have to pod in the next two nights, whether we're ready or not. Um, so thanks for jumping on um, and jumping in last minute for us. So a huge appreciation there. Um just a reminder before we finish off that um, we run our predictions game now for you guys, the fans, to add your own guesses for the game. And we had a good little uh, uh, few predictions this week. Not many points scored for obvious reasons because a lot of people are predicting heavy wins um, and the first touchdown scorer being a slay and deception meant that no one was predicting that. So it's pretty even. It's pretty open. If you haven't taken part yet, um, 
there will be a link going out in the newsletter and in the WhatsApp group regularly to get your entries in. If you, the winners at the end of the season will get a bottle of Loch Lomond whiskey. Uh, Eagles, British and Irish Eagles, mine. So it could be Kelly Green, it could be Midnight Green version. Um, and a passion glove bundle and a T-shirt will also be going to second and third place when we get to the end of the season. So don't miss out on your opportunity to embarrass us as the podcast host because, you know, we like to think that we know what's going on, but it shows how difficult it is. But you guys might know more than us. So don't forget to get predictions in. The deadline for signing up for the Philly trip to Dallas, uh, to not to Dallas, uh, to Philadelphia to watch the Dallas game the closing date for full payment and anyone to sign up is the end of this month. There is still time to get in, but obviously you're not going to have much time to save up the shekels to to pay it all off. But it, the, it is still open. Once we get to the end of September, we will have more of a confirmed idea of who's going and the itinerary for those that are going. Uh, I think that is all I was going to speak about post-pod. There are obviously are the watch-alongs. Don't forget to sign up for those either. So we've got the Command the first Commanders game in the start of October. We've got the Niners game in the 3rd of December and the Seahawks game later on in December to get your registration into because they will book up quickly and you we are your route into getting a place in those in those watch logs. So I think that's it. Unless there's anything from you, Mick. Are you happy to cut off? Uh yeah, I'm happy. Just uh yeah. <laughs> I'm blown away with how well you were doing there, Father. I was just like, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Um, well, that's it, guys. So, so like I said, short week. So we're playing Vikings on Thursday night. So we'll have a hopefully have a nice, easy weekend to put our feet up on and, and enjoy everyone else struggling and to give some Andy some some well-deserved jibs. Hopefully, that is exactly what's going to go happen. I've been your temporary host, Phil, with Mick and Andy for the British and Irish Eagles podcast and good night. Go birds.